Well, we want to welcome everybody back to another episode of Marketing, Management, and Money. And today we're going to do one that Ryan and I talk a lot about, and that's zombie businesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, how to recognize some of the signs that are tied to that. And, you know, you've done, you've probably done, uh, well, I know you, you've done more formal presentations kind of on this subject than I have. But being around you and, and and the fact that you kind of coined the phrase years ago. I thought you were going to say being around you, I feel like I'm a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> no, I, I'll save my cheeky <laughs> remarks for later. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I always loved that phrase when I originally heard you coin it. You know, that they're just a zombie business. You know, they're they're dead. They don't even know it. And... And over the years, you know, we've had a lot of discussions around it because it's just such a great uh, phrase that we use when dealing with businesses that are really got challenge and struggles. Um, they're not able to see it or they're not putting the effort in to see that, hey, wait a minute, I have potential problems. And and some of these, you know, sometimes the, the business literally is dead and they're trying to hold on to a pipe dream, you know. Mm-hmm. But other times they're headed down a path that's starting to create that zombieism and they don't know it. They're infected. Yeah, they're infected. And yet, um, if the right remedies are put in place, they can fix that. Quick, right remedies. Yeah. I, I mean, it's crazy how much like the zombie metaphor like fits right in because yeah. you got to act quickly. And there's, yeah. there, there's a point of no return. right. And it's hard to recognize that point of no return, you know. Right, right. And so now, now we've kind of broken it into three categories that we'll kind of pound through as we go through this one, and that's uh, actually based around kind of the principles of your company, and that is marketing, management, and money. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I'll use different phrases like leadership or you know management, you know, tied together or financials you know, and money that are kind of tied together. And then, of course, marketing is just kind of marketing. Oh, right? Sales and marketing. Yeah, sales and marketing. So, yeah. so those will be the three main areas we'll kind of discuss because those really are key uh, components to a business that, you know, if two of those go bad, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know, and if one is bad, it, we're kind of saying you're infected. Yeah. So, so where, do, where do you want to start? Uh, I, I want to go back into a story land, storytelling okay. time. All right. Okay. So get, get, my, get your, get your get milk my and cookies. <laughs> my pillow. Yeah. So uh, I was giving a uh, uh, business planning uh, training. And at the end of the training, I had this business come up to me and they said, I love your training. Like, it is great information. And I started finding out a little bit about their business. And I've used this example uh, multiple times on this show and in, in my trainings and different things. But this business owner had been in business for seven years and had never pulled a penny out of their business. Ouch. And it was a very typical uh, typical setup that I see a lot. Uh, so it's the uh, and and I'm not I'm not trying to be sexist here, but this is the stereotype of what happens. The husband has a job that makes good money. And the wife decides that she wants to start a business. And the husband's job, the salary from the job, subsidizes the business so that the business can cash flow. 
but the business can't stand on its own two feet. Now, I've seen it where it's not always this exact formula, but the concept is that there's a subsidy there. And, you know, and I've seen subsidies that come from, you know, government funding. Right. I've seen subsidies that come from startup competitions or startup funding, uh, you know. and uh, Even loans? Uh, loans. And we'll, we'll talk about that today. Well, yeah, I, I do put loans in a little bit of a different category because banks don't allow loans to go on forever. Correct. Whereas these other ones, uh, they have a harder time cutting it off. And so okay. uh, so to me, the, the one nice thing about a loan is a loan does have a formal date cutoff time. And, and that's a healthy thing, by the way. You know, like if you, if you want to protect yourself against zombies... <laughs> you know, then then you need you need to have cutoff times. You know, right, I, correct. It, it's like zo- zombies. You know, they they come out at night and go to bed in the day. And I, I don't know. In theory, yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> according to fic- most fictional writing, yes. yeah. So, so I'm sitting there talking to this business owner, and I'm blown away. I'm like, how would you go seven years without uh, pulling anything out of your business? You know, I'm looking at it and I'm like, if I don't see promise in two years, in fact, the first business that I ever did um, after three years, I'm like, this isn't working. This is not making sense. And the ironic thing was, is I technically was profitable. If you looked at the true uh, profit and loss statements, I was a profitable business. However, I was not pulling anything out. I was subsidizing it with my own labor, and I wasn't accounting for the fact that, you know, this was eating up my life, you know, so it looked profitable. Uh, And so, you know, after uh, what it was, it was year one was like, okay, this is where we're going to give it a go, and, you know, we plan to make some some mistakes, and we know that, uh, you know, maybe – you know, it's going to be a little bit rough, but that's okay. And then you know, year two, we're going to make some improvements. And, and I made improvements in year two off of the mistakes that were made in year one, and there was no significant change. And then year three, we got dramatic. We're like, okay, we're just shaking everything up. And in year three, there wasn't anything, and so I closed it up. And I'm just like, okay, not happening. And, and honestly, the fact that I went three years was kind of on the long side, in my opinion. You know, um, like I'm, I'm kind of looking at a two-year window and saying, if you don't see, you know, the the progress that that you're wanting, within about two years, uh, you might have a zombie business. You know, you might have a zombie uh, zombie infection. And so the other thing, you know, so I'm, I'm talking with this guy, and then fast forward a couple of years, and this is when, so you and I actually, we were sitting on an economic development committee group. Uh, we were both uh, kind of a part of this board that helped plan for, uh, it was a community economic development group. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I really started to understand uh, the impact of zombie businesses is that they sneak into communities, they sneak into main streets, they sneak into malls, they sneak into online, and they start to infect other businesses. And I remember sitting in some of those meetings and looking at the lost causes and saying, oh man, how do I, how do I tactfully say this is a really bad way to go? And I, I mean, we can joke about some of the hot water that I got in because <laughs> tact is not what I'm good at, uh, you know. Yeah, but you, you remember the one where the the lady came yeah, into my office I and did. and I told her <laughs> I was trying to let we'll, her know we'll she had a that. zombie business. 
We'll say that one first side line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I got pulled into the principal's <laughs> office on that one. And, uh, you know, uh, so, so anyway, uh, but I started realizing that you'll have these main streets and everyone's like, oh, we want to have a, you know, this vibrant main street. And I'm like, okay, zombies kill vibrancies. Yes. And they look like regular businesses, but they're the walking dead. And so you'll see all these people like, oh, I want to make something happen. But I'm like, no, if you've got zombies, you have to kill the zombies before you can reestablish the colony. Oh, and, and so, so anyway, w- w- with that, we're, we're going to do a lot of, you know, a lot of play on words. We're going to run with this metaphor, but uh, let's get into some of the, some of the specifics, like maybe, you know, what are the warning signs right. uh, to, to look for and then what to do if you, uh, you know, if you find yourself in this situation. So let's talk about on the leadership side a little bit um, first, because I, that, uh, that helps really establish a culture. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we, as we talk about colony, he uses that word colony, and I'm going to interchange it with culture okay. um, because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create this colony or this culture that then doesn't, you know, that stands together as strong, recognizes it, works together as a team to do some of that instead of um, where you get... Um, management that has closed doors, they're a little bit defensive, which those are warning signs. Yes. Okay. Closed doors, warning signs, things like that. Um, so they, you know, those leaders tend to disengage a little bit. Can I throw the word dismissive out? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think that, uh, when, you know, when you've got a manager who is very dismissive and they're consistently dismissive. You know, they, they're dismissing if they get advice from, you know, a banker. Like, if they get turned down for loans and they're like, ah, they just don't understand what I'm doing. Yeah, and, it's, and their, they, it's them. You know, and then the customers start to complain and they're like, well, the customers just don't have the vision All yet. warning signs, all you warning know? signs. Yeah, I, I mean, so, there's nothing wrong with getting turned down for a loan and having some tenacity to push through that. But when you've got, you know, you're turned down for a loan, your customers are complaining, employees are are starting to get frustrated or you're starting to see, you know, like maybe you're a startup and the employees are starting to ask for more permanent wages and less, you know, yes. equity type stuff. They're like, Hey, uh, you know, I just, I just want a straight salary. I know there's a lot of, you know, advantages to, you know, these sales commissions or this equity or, but right. I just want a straight salary. My wife, you know, she, she, she's really stressed right. about that. Like I've been here a long time. <laughs> I deserve it. <laughs> like those are all, those are all warning signs. And if the owner is dismissive right. and doesn't recognize that, Oh, Hey, there's a problem brewing here. Yeah. That's a problem. So on the leadership side, generally what we find instead of building a colony, they're trying to build a safe room. Okay. Does that make sense? <laughs> I, I'm trying to protect myself. Okay. So I'm building this safe room. So when the zombies come, there's enough room and food in here for me. <laughs> so right? It's a bunker. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I'm not building it as a colony, which means I'm using, working with those around me. We're establishing culture. We're, we're expanding our boundaries. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I'm, I'm instead of, um, expanding, I'm a receding. Yeah, you're mean, attracting. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to build this little safe room because I, I'm think, only thinking about myself, and and uh, and so in doing so, I, I want to talk about because you you know you you talk a little bit about that French and Raven's basis of power. Oh and, yeah, 
And I and too often we forget that uh, that leadership style and how we implement it is a huge factor in the culture that we're going to start to create. Mm-hmm. And 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 that culture then uh, allows zombies to either creep into our business or that we have better fortification and that we're keeping them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just uh, for anyone, because uh, you went over that a little bit quickly. Uh, so French and Raven did a study, and I believe it was back in like the 50s. It's kind of an old study at this point. And they originally did the five bases of power. They since expanded it to, I believe, the six bases of power. Yeah. Uh, fascinating study. I highly recommend anyone uh, you know, whether you are a business owner or whether you're just a parent in your family or, you know, you're elected to the chamber of commerce, like read their study. It will, it will change the way that you understand group dynamics and how to get things done. And let's, uh, if it's okay, I want to cover just the highlights real quick. Sure. Because if you understand that it, I think it's more impelling why you want to go and understand the study and look more into it mm-hmm. because there are some pieces in it that are just amazing. So, um, the six bases of powers, um, start with coercion. Okay. That's where you want to start. Yeah. Let's start at the top because that's <laughs> kind of the ugly one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So and I think it's, I, I think it's important to note that coercion is the only negative power, you know, like the others, they can be used negatively, but coercion is always negative. And that's basically threatening people. You know, if you don't do this, then I'll fire you. Or, you know, it's leading with fear, uh, leading with control. You know, those, those are all forms of coercion. Yeah. And it, I always call it the, you know, the whip instead of the carrot that I, I, I'm going to beat you into submission. Yeah. It's my way or the highway. Yeah. Beatings um, will continue until morale improves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so coercion is, and, and yet we, we still see it all the time and it may mm-hmm. not be a day to day, but even if it's uh, being uh, portrayed in any part of the organization at any time, it will be destructive guaranteed. Mm. So uh, the next one going down is now reward, kind of the carrot piece of it. Okay. Yeah. So this idea of, you know, I come to work to collect a paycheck. I'm trying to get a bonus. I, uh, you know, a promise of ownership, uh, you could have reward in title, you know, like, oh, we're going to make you a VP now in the company or, uh, perks, you know, anything that you can offer someone, uh, as kind of a, you know, a, a reward to them falls under this. And, and rewards can be everything from physical to mental to spiritual, if sure. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, some people are driven by the dollar, other ones are driven by a title. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so the reward piece of it, which is is certainly more healthy in a in a better way to uh, to implement some leadership actions. And, and I I want to just hit on spiritual because you did mention that one. Uh, I mean, how many people are able to attract amazing, talented individuals to a good cause? And yeah. you know that falls under that spiritual. Like if you believe in supporting, you know, like impoverished communities and providing them jobs. And so your whole company, you know, like they don't source the cheapest materials. They, you know, sustainably sourced materials. Right. That goes into your spiritual side of things where you now believe that you are helping. You never met this person. I mean, how do you know that they're even impoverished? But your spiritual beliefs tell you that I'm doing good in the world. Right. 
know, and so yeah, I think I think that's I'm, good that you brought that up. I just wanted to linger on that for a second because it's such a good point to yeah, understand it, that it's there. And uh, my experience is, is most great leaders have some spiritual side to them, and I and I not I don't say religious, right? Okay, I say spiritual because mm-hmm. they're. They are different, but but I do want to. Uh, they can be tied together, but yes. not always. So don't uh, don't confuse it. Th- th- there, there's a big movement right now that is like, oh, organized religion is all terrible, and I'm just like, no, it's not actually. Organized religion does a lot of good. The vast majority of all organized religions in the world do significantly more good than harm. You might not, uh, you know, you might not adhere to a specific organized religion, but you know, I. I'm on a tangent here. I just, I get bent out of shape when people are like, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about spirituality. And I'm like, religion's a good thing. It's a great thing, yeah. actually. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, but I, I do want to make sure that um, I, some people can be driven spiritually, but not be tied to some type of formalized religion. Correct. So Correct. In fact, everyone is spiritual, whether they admit it or not. Right. Because as human beings, that is part of our nature to yeah. be spiritual. Okay. Now, the next one on there is legitimacy. Yeah. Um, you have any thoughts on that one? So, so this one, um, I think the easiest way to look at this is a title. Yes. You know, yep. if, if, if someone is the CEO, uh, they automatically get, you know, it's like, well, got to do what the boss says. I'm like, do you have to do what the boss says? <laughs> <laughs> what if the boss gives you a really bad idea, you know? Right. And, and so... Uh, titles fall into legitimate uh, power, some um, designations, appointments. Authority, you know. some figures of authority. Yeah. If, if you were put in charge of the committee, then right. Right. you know you might not have the highest title in the room, but it's like, well, I was put in charge of this committee, so I need to make sure that things happen. You know, That's all legitimate power. Okay. The next one is expert, which mm-hmm. is a good one. It's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. So the... This one definition is basically people that have expert knowledge, expert skills, um, a lot of tenure. You know, they've been with the company for a long time, and so they understand the nuances. Um, and it's it's very interesting when you see legitimate and expert kind of go at odds. You know, so like here's the boss, but here's the guy who knows everything. Right. <laughs> and and honestly, that's not a bad setup. If you're the boss and there's an expert, utilize the expert. Right. And, and totally embrace agree. the fact that they're an expert. Don't be threatened by the expert. Right. Totally agree. You know, in fact, your legitimate power as boss will increase if you recognize that you are not the expert just by title, that you have to earn that expertise and give you know credit where credit is due, you'll, you'll have more power legitimately. Yes. All right, now down to the last two, uh, reference or referent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is how likable someone is. Uh, if they're funny, if they're beautiful, if they're charismatic, uh, we follow those people. And it's crazy. You know, you'll see someone, a comedian, who can, like, control an entire room. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you do realize they're just cracking jokes, right? They really don't have any expertise here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we're following them because we're all laughing and feeling good right now. And, and so, yeah, this is very much a personality uh, kind of situation. And, you know, a lot of times people... You see this with online influencers. Everyone goes straight to the referent power, 
I'm like, how many of us have sat through a really boring YouTube video where the guy just knew what he was talking about and we loved it? We're like, you know, the video's terrible, the quality is terrible, mm-hmm. but this guy is smart. And, you know, and so you don't always have to be outlandish and, you know, just bubbly to, right. you know, to have power. All right. So the last, and the last one, which is uh, always a little bit tricky for me to understand, and that's uh, informational. So uh, at first, this one was hard for me to understand until uh, our friend Google uh, really showed what that's all about, because Google itself is not a person. Correct. But how much power do they have? Well, they know your thoughts and what you're looking for and how to help you find that. And so the amount of information or data that they have available to them, and so they can make better decisions because of that. And we all trust Google because of that. We don't trust Google because we trust Google. We trust Google because we know that they have information. And a lot of times you find uh, people in positions like accountants or other people, uh, even though their expertise, we generally put them more in the informational category as leaders because they have data and other things that they can access that we need that make our jobs easier. Well, and I mean, I think that's a great point. How many times have you gone to, let's say, a seminar or a conference or something like that, and there's the guy who, like, has 20 years of experience, and then there's the guy who has six months of experience, but he has a study. Yeah, he's and done a study. And we're all listening to the person who's <laughs> done the study, <laughs> not the person who's like, well, your study's flawed, and I can tell you why, but no one's listening to me because I don't have a study to share. Yeah. And yeah. so that's informational. Is, yeah. You know. So it, it can be pretty powerful, uh, even though I don't think that it uh, generally is a dominant leadership style, but it's generally back there and it's hidden. At, but it's a it's significant factor when you start looking internally at leadership styles. And, and anyways, I, I just don't see most leaders actually using that as what they're standing behind, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, the interesting thing is in the original French and Raven study, there were five bases of power, and the one that was added was information. And so, Because of our day and age. Exactly. Because of Google, as you said it. You know. You know that when you have a question, what do people say? Google it. Yeah. And, and, and so when you say, ah, this one's harder to understand or, ah, I, you know, I don't know if this is used as much. I'm like, well, this is something that up until now, you know, a hundred years ago, you went to the smart guy and asked him. Yeah. Now you don't actually, you know, like you, you, you don't go talk to your grandparents to find something out. You Google it. In fact, you think mm-hmm. that your grandparents know nothing, you know, and they're old fuddy-duddies who... I'm like, they actually have a ton of wisdom, and we stopped asking them, which is why we're very smart and not wise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My own personal belief there. (laughs) That's going to be a new Ryan Murray Conage. So, yeah, so anyways, the basis of power um, is really good to study and understand a little bit, especially in your culture, Mm -hmm. because you're going to find those different type of leadership styles in amongst your managers, leaders, and employees Mm -hmm. as they're trying to position themselves and move themselves through and or organizing with people. And so if you understand that a little bit, you'll you'll find that you can actually direct and control the culture that you want versus all of a sudden realizing what what happened. Yeah. You know, where did it go wrong? Well, yeah, it's because the one time you snapped and, you know, used coercion and then you lost all the respect. Well, and so I want to tie this into our our zombie thing and and see, 
show how I would correlate this. So looking at zombies, you know, what do zombies do? You know, they attack you. They cause fear. They're threatening, right? They're using coercion. And so if you look at it, and well, the other thing about zombies is zombies move very slowly, but they are always moving. Yeah. And, and so if you look at your business and if you're starting to hear phrases like, look, don't rock the boat. We've done this for years. It's worked fine. Why are you asking questions? Like that's actually a form of coercion because you just commanded someone, don't rock the boat. Don't actually look into this. Right. You know? and, and so those are those are like zombie characteristics where it's it's slow moving. It's like, ah, we're just going to keep doing this. And and, uh, you know, but it's there. And so if you're ever in a culture where you feel like you shouldn't speak up, you can't speak up. If you speak up, nothing ever happens. Like there's there's at least an, an infection going on. You, know, you might not be a zombie, but there's an infection going on. I, I totally, I totally agree. So now, uh, on the same subject, let's talk uh, maybe a little bit about cause we've we've been touching on those traits of good leaders versus zombie leaders mm-hmm. or, or poor leaders, as you know we coin them nowadays. Um, but you know they're they're able to build teams, they're able to build morale. Um, You're talking the good leaders, right? Good leaders, yeah. yes. Um, so they they're. They're colony builders. Does that make sense? They mm-hmm. realize that I'm surrounding myself with good people because good people help us get things done versus uh, a poor leader surrounds themselves with slaves. Yeah. Right? Well, and I think that this is really interesting. I love that you're hitting on this because this is a sign of a zombie business is, you know, the, the leader surrounding themselves with slaves. But sometimes we look at businesses and we think, you know, if I say, is your business growing? of the time, everyone thinks, are your sales growing? Right. And I'm like, oh, there's so much more. Like, is your morale improving? Are people wanting to work for your company? Are people progressing in their level of expertise within the company? Are you getting better at inventory management? Are you getting better at accounting? Are you getting better at operations? You know, and and so you can be growing a company – without having sales growth and it actually happens all the time and so zombie businesses they they look at it very isolated and zombie businesses are actually shrinking they you know they're 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 keeping their employees stagnant there's a lot of glass ceilings there they don't want them to grow um, they, they only look at a few metrics. They're only looking at like, what are my sales doing? You know, what, uh, what, uh, how many customers do we have? And a classic one that we see all the time is, um, when you talk about training employees, I don't have an active training employee, you know, a program inside my company. Well, why not? Because when I train my employees, they leave me. Mm-hmm. I, that's uh, I, that's very zombie. Yeah, first thing that always comes to my mind is, you your company is going to eventually die, and for the sole reason that one, you'll never keep highly skilled people who help your company grow, mm-hmm. and it may not you know you might be able to keep it limping along and patching those holes, but as soon as you die, that company's dead because you you just don't have the people surrounded you that can take those leaderships and keep that company growing and doing because you keep suppressing them. Mm-hmm. You tell them that 
them as an individual and their personal growth as an individual is not valuable. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of beating a dead horse here for a second, um, which is ironic because I'm beating a dead horse saying don't become a zombie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, zombie businesses get so centered on sales growth that they start to ignore training employees. They start to ignore other growth, you know, like employee growth is super critical for a healthy company, but they only look at sales growth. They don't look at, you know, other forms of of growth within their company. And so, and the other thing that starts happening is they start starving their business. I want sales growth, but I'm not willing to put investment back into my company. You know, I want sales growth, but I'm not willing to take on, you know, calculated risks because we're afraid of losing. So, you know, I'm afraid of losing. I only want the upside. I'm not willing to invest time or money. You know, uh, I, I'm an owner who I want all the control, but I'm not willing to put in the time. You know, like I, I want to be out on the lake fishing, but don't you dare make a decision while I'm gone. You know? and, <laughs> right. and that sounds absurd, but it happens a lot. Right. Now, you, you're starting to touch into categories I'd put more in that money or financial side. Okay. So why don't we, let's jump there because I you're starting to touch into it and, and it naturally goes that way anyways next, okay? That we find that uh, problems that exist in leadership always are reflected in the financials. Okay, but here's what I'm going to say. <sighs> we're... we're, we're I want to pick up financials. We're, we're going we're gonna to break this into uh, a bit of a series. Okay. And, and I want to pick up financials because there's no way that we're going to wrap up <laughs> zombie businesses and financials in, <laughs> you know, in the next five or ten minutes. I, I agree. And, I agree. And, okay, and, so then let's stay on leadership. And, and so I, I do want to stay on the <clears throat> management side because there are some areas that we, that we haven't really cleaned up or covered uh, with that management side. Um, and, and that is, okay, well, the, the thing that I really want to be, uh, you know, cognizant of is what if you are a zombie? And I want to po- point out something here. So if I were to tell you that, you know, like 50% of all businesses fail, you'd be like, okay. And that stat kind of cracks me up because <laughs> it's so varied, you know. It's like, okay, define business, define failure, fail within a year, within five years, within 10 years, you know, but regardless of what it is, if I were to tell you that the majority of businesses are going to fail, you would be like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that stat. I know that, right? Everyone agrees with that. But then we have this disconnect where we always think, oh, I'm glad that everyone else is failing and, you know, I'm immune. <laughs> like, if 50% of the businesses are fail, going to fail, that means that you likely are going to fail. So can you look yourself in the mirror and can you honestly recognize no, if no, your no. business is failing? No, it, this will never happen to me. I'm different. <laughs> right. I'm doing this different. I've covered my bases. I'm <laughs> right. So. If any of that is coming to your mind, we're different. Uh, it isn't going to happen to us. I've put measures in place. Um, I'm going to say you better go back to the drawing board and do a double, you know, go back through your checklist one more time because it, you're you're right. It, it just does happen. And as a matter of fact, the number two, the number one and number two reasons actually 
of why businesses fail is one is a lack of resources mm-hmm. and the next one is management or leadership. Yeah. Yeah. So, so leadership is why, you know, we talk, you know, so much about it is because it literally, um, is that, and we live in this, um, uh, what would be the word I want to, we live in this modern dysphoria. Okay. okay. <laughs> that, that we just think it will never happen to us. Or, or that the rules have changed. Yes. You know. And so, so this dysphoria just kind of keeps us in a weird world instead of actually saying, no, look, recognize that there's potentially problems in us as an individual and as us as, and as leaders, okay, that, that we need to actively be working on to, to make things better. And that, and that, has a couple of factors in there that we have to be cognitive of. And that is one that people are kind of, whether we like it or not, people are kind of like dogs. They just have instincts that are naturally inbred in them. Mm-hmm. A hunting dog just knows how, you know, a pointer knows how to point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We can fine tune that a little bit, but that's natural. Okay. A retriever naturally retrieves. Okay. We can fine tune it and make them better at it, but they naturally retrieve. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, attack dog whether you like it or not, there's a little bit of an instinct in them of protection, not attacking, of being protective of things, but we can enhance that and teach them how to attack and be better and more a better defender, okay? So humans, whether we want to admit it or not, we have that inbred in with us as well, and everyone has slightly different uh, attributes that they attach to. And so as a leader, when we recognize that, we stop attacking people, mm-hmm. right? We recognize them for, oh, hey, wait a minute. This is a pointer. This is how we need to use this individual, okay? Meaning that, hey, wait a minute. Th- this dude is a, an introvert. <laughs> he, he's actually one-on-one. He's funny and he's amazing, but you put him in a social place, he can't perform, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we don't want him as the sales guy on the front line. <laughs> we might want him as a sales manager, on the backside where he does less sales, but he has a group underneath him that he, he can highly motivate and train because he's good with people and other things like that. But just his normal everyday people skills are just, he, they have a cold personality per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we recognize that. So as a leader, we recognize those pieces about it. But that means as a leader, we have to be working to be doing that and developing ourselves as well. So the question I always ask when it comes to zombie businesses is, all right, as a leader, when was the last time you did any professional development? As a leader. As a leader. You personally. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you can't say, I'm actively working on something, and, and that doesn't always have to be uh, people skills, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Because we think, oh, I should be working on my people skills and how to negotiate and how to, you know, uh, better understand the psychology of an individual. No, no, no. Uh, just are you doing things because once you start into a pattern of professional development, you'll those pieces will just start filling themselves in. They do. Well, okay, but I'm going to add uh, a layer to that, and I'm going to say when is the last time that you studied something that is unfamiliar or uncomfortable yeah, to you? Yeah, I agree. Because uh, just about every business owner, uh, I'm like, hey, what are you reading? And they're just like, oh, I'm reading this book, this book. And I'm like, what were the last 10 books that you read? And yeah. if they're all the same genre, right, you should then probably change it up. You're not getting much out of that. Like you already understand how to yeah. deal with, you know, uh, negotiations. Like right. that's not your challenge. Yeah. And so you now need to read a uh, book on business law. And you're like, oh, I hate business law. Yeah. 
Exactly. You should still do it. That's that's why you need to read that book. And you know, I and I'll share this personal experience, and and I don't, I hate sharing things about me personally because I I always fear that it's tooting a horn, and I hate that. But I'm going to share it because I don't worry. I I have such low <laughs> expectations of you that even if you toot you a trump, horn, you trump any tooting I do. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't have that problem of not feeling of, of being concerned so, about tooting my own you horn. You know, we're developing um, uh, some new uh, initiatives that we're trying to push for on some industry certifications. Okay, uh-huh. and and I'm. I see the value of them and I'm highly supportive of it and I'm actively pushing it. And I mean, investing lots of money because I'm committed to the cause. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, interesting enough, we've been kind of, we started it as COVID started, but COVID kind of shut everything down. So we're just to the point where we're ramping back up. We lost those two years because of COVID. Sure. So we're now we're ramping back up. We have the momentum again. And as I out, you know, pushing these industry certs that I do feel are highly valuable and, um, and people should be acquiring. Someone asked me, uh, would you have that cert? And I'm like, and my first, no, I don't. But my first thought is, is, well, I'm proficient. Uh, I don't, uh, I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Well, shortly after promoting it again, they're asked, so do you have that cert? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I, I had, I was at least smart enough. This is where I will toot my horn. I was smart enough at that point in time to say, okay, this is a problem that it's hard to sell something, even though I'm fully committed and I believe it and I'm investing money into this, it's hard to commit to it or show that I'm committed to it when I don't actually have it. Mm-hmm. I haven't taken the time to get the certification myself. Okay. And so I had to step back as a leader and say, okay, look, it, I, I can't, if I can't put my money where my mouth is, I can't, I can't take everyone else down this process with me. Yeah. Right. So what am I going to do over the next few months? I'm going to pound out a whole bunch of industry certs yeah. that, that I want to promote because I do feel that they have value in strengthening the workforce of a business. Okay. And some of them are as simple as the Microsoft Excel certification. Mm-hmm. Think about it. I, I mean, I use that all day long. And do I think I'm proficient? Oh, yeah, I really do because I use it all day long. But um, and if that's the case, then then why don't you just go get the certification? Because if you're if you're that, you're good, that good at it, you should just be able to pass it right off, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, so sure enough, that's what I'm doing now. I'm going back through, and yeah, it's going to take a little bit of work and other things. But but I like the fact that when now someone asks me, I can say I'm doing it, and I I believe in it so much that even though I was totally proficient at it, I still went through the effort of getting the certification to show my commitment to it. Yeah. But as leaders, how often do we fail in just little things like that? You know, so I I think that's awesome, and I I want to do a tie-in here with uh, one of the things that I put out there to ensure that I don't become a zombie business, and it goes back to the principle of what you're saying. Would you do it yourself? And so yeah. I'm going to ask the question to our listeners that are business owners: Would you work for yourself? Oh. Not own your own business. Ouch. Would you work for yourself? And would you work for yourself for the wage that you are getting? Yeah. And if you're excited about that, you're like, dude, this is my dream job. <laughs> <laughs> then you're on a good track. But if yeah. you're like, hell no, I will. <laughs> are you kidding me? I would not take this job in a hundred years. Like if, if right. you had to work for someone else doing what you, you know, like 
right. not, not owning it, but working in it. Would you take it? And honestly, you should ask yourself this about once a quarter. You should just have, you know, once a quarter. And if you wouldn't, why not? Or what are the things that you would be hesitant to do? Because there's a lot of things, you know, with, uh, you know, so with my own business here, right? I do, um, you know, I do podcasting, I do trainings. And so the question, if I were to ask this question, just to kind of put it into practice so you guys can see what I'm talking about, would I make the same amount of money to be on someone else's podcast? You know, if, yeah. if, if you ask the question and say, okay, you are, it's no longer your podcast, it's not your yeah. baby, it's someone right. else's baby, you get to make the same amount of money, and the answer is yes, I would do it. You know, like I'm, I'm set up in such a way that I'm just like, okay. I would, I would do it, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> that's only funny to me and you. <laughs> I know, but that's hilarious. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but, but I look at it and I'm like, okay, so if instead of my own business, would I go out and do trainings for someone else? If they contracted me and they said, hey, you know what? Like, it's not your content. I now want you to push my content. I'm going to hire you to right. do it. Would you go do it? And I'd be like, yes, I would. And so for my business, I'm like, I'm good. But one of the reasons why it works for me, and this is kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit, is because I do this part-time enough that there's the cost-benefit to me. So, like, mm -hmm. I make great money, right? but it's just on the side. And so if this was, like, my full-time, and you're like, okay, would you do this full-time? I'd be like, ooh, now i got to think about that a little bit. And so, you know, it starts to change the perspective. It so does. if you own a business and you're like, okay, I, you know, what I put in 60 hours a week for someone else to do this, and you're like, no, I wouldn't do that. Then I'm like, then why are you doing it for yourself? Right. Because you, you're infected. You're infected. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you need to be in, in such a situation. I mean, why own a business if it's not growing and flourishing and exciting? That doesn't mean that there aren't problems. That doesn't mean that there are days. I mean, there are times right. where I do podcasts where I'm just like, I don't want to do a podcast yeah. today. And well, and when we get into the financial side of it, we'll talk about the like seasonality. That Yeah, I might have some seasonality where numbers aren't right, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that I should just close my doors if I recognize that pattern of the seasonality. And um, so- you know, we want to do look at things like that, but I, and, and we'll, I, you know, cause you're right. And I, I, we do need to do a number of different ones in line with this one because it's, there's just too much content. Yeah. But yeah, leadership is a great one. Um, I love the fact of some of the points you brought up, um, you know, taking that step back with the maturity to say, Hey, you know, if I'm invested in this one, would I do this one if I wasn't the owner? You know, cause those, that's a huge warning sign of commitment right there. That, um, and especially if if I don't have milestones that I'm hitting, mm -hmm. and you know, in the other categories, we talk a lot about milestones and leadership. It's you know that management side. Sometimes we don't always know how to put milestones, which is sometimes a challenge. Why I think sometimes is. As leaders, we don't grow at the same rate as we probably could because we don't have those personal milestones of personal development in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, that should still be there just like we have with sales, just like we have with marketing, just like, okay. But we tend to not put them in there. And and, and I apply that down to our employees as well when it comes to trainings because mm -hmm. that's a leadership issue. Mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, there can be a few times when it's a financial issue, which, um, but generally I find uh, more so it's leaders fearful that if I train my employees, they leave. And I'm like, well, then <laughs> if they're more trained and they're more competent, shouldn't they be making more money for you? And hence, shouldn't you be able to pay them more? Mm-hmm. So the theory says that that you, you want a highly trained and skilled workforce mm-hmm. um, that's loyal to you because they will help increase those sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, I just, I mean, to, to kind of summarize, when you're looking at, at zombie businesses, zombie businesses are the living dead, you know. Uh, and so if your company is the living dead, do you have the courage to kill it? To say, you know what? It's dead. It's time to walk away. It's time to do something else. You never go to a party and brag about how many businesses you've shut down. <laughs> but you should. Some people like, do. <laughs> well, yeah. But they shouldn't. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, you know, if I have the, the sense to say, okay, we gave it a good run. And we knew that it wasn't working. We've, we've got the business maturity to walk away. And, you know, if, if I've got the sense to do that, then that means I'm setting myself up for success, long-term success. You know? I, I totally agree because you, you're taking what you've learned from that, realizing that the variables just weren't right in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're coming back to the plate with the next ideas and other things that come, you know, about um, to develop them with even a stronger skill set. Yeah, I think uh, this right now is uh, my fourth company that I've started. Yeah, probably. Um, I can think of three others. Yeah, and and so you know the the first ones, no. They, they didn't go anywhere. And so, and even this, you know, like I've, I've been at this for since 2014. So what is that? Nine years now, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so you look at it and you're like, oh boy, nine years of, uh, of you know, of, of just pushing at something like it takes time, but yeah, like it's, it's hard to get away from the, you know, the walking dead. You just, you don't want to be stuck in the walking dead. It will go nowhere for you be be okay to you know to to just kill it and and start fresh and i think in the subsequence you know when we get into the financial and then kind of that sales and marketing side i think we'll give some real key insights yes. as to when you know it's time to kill it cuz on the management we're asking you to just have that discipline, have that maturity, you know, look yourself in the mirror, ask some tough questions, but we'll give some tangibles in the, in the subsequent episodes. Yeah. I say, I say when you get into the, the money, it's driven by data. It's, it's harder data than uh, leadership is more soft data because right. it's more about mental, uh, spiritual, psychological type stuff, which is sometimes harder to, it's hard, hard to quantify yeah. and gauge. Yeah. So Cool. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, please watch for at least one subsequent episode. I'm probably guessing. They can two. I'm is- guessing I would say two as well. <laughs> so this will probably be a three-part series. Um, but we're glad you joined us today. And uh, please tune in for the next two where we'll, we'll build on what we've uh, started today. Thanks, everyone. All right. Take care.